Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church Podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Grab your Bible, go with me to 1 Kings chapter number 6, and uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. And I'm reading out of the King James because I'm old school, so some of this language is going to mess you all up, uh, so just ignore that part. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 6, verse number 1, And it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt. They'd been out of Egypt 480 years. In the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month Ziph, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. Solomon's building the house of the Lord. And the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, the length thereof was threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof twenty cubits, and the height thereof thirty cubits. And the porch before the temple of the house, twenty cubits was the length according to the breadth, ten cubits was the breadth, yada, 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 verse 4. And for the house he made windows of narrow lights, and against the wall of the house he built chambers round about, against the walls of the house round about, both of the temple and of the oracle, and he made chambers round about. Y'all follow me, right? This is becoming clear in your mind. You've got it, right? Right, okay. Verse 6, the nethermost chamber was five cubits broad. The middle was six. The third was seven. For without in the wall of the house he made narrow rest round about, and the beams should not be five. I can't understand why people don't like reading the King James Bible. I mean, it's right there. Verse 7, I want to pay very close attention to verse 7. And the house, when it was in building, was built of stone, watch, made ready before it was brought thither. The house, when it was in building, was built of stone that was made ready before it was brought, so that there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house While it was in building. I want to read that to you one more time. The house, while they were building it, they built it of stone that was made ready before they brought it to the house. So there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was building. The door of the middle chamber is in the right. Okay, I'm not going to read the rest of that. Look at verse 13. Look at verse uh, 11. And the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, Concerning this house which thou art in building, if you will walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all my commandments to walk in them, then I'll perform my word with you, which I speak to David your father. I'll dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. So Solomon built the house and he finished it. Solomon built the house and he finished it. Jump back up to verse 7 one more time. The house, while it was in building, was built of stone that was made ready before it was brought. So there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was in building. Amen. I believe that God does not build ministries. God does not build ministries. God builds people. And then God empowers the person to build what he's assigned them to build. But if God does not build me and you first, then he cannot give us the totality of the assignment that he's called us to walk in. Because if God doesn't build us first, we will not have the proper infrastructure to carry the weight of the mandate that God has on my life and on your life. You hearing what I'm saying? 
great blessing crushes small people. Right? Great Small blessing will crush small people. Marriage will crush small people. Little kids crush the life out of small people. We, uh, me and my wife, our, our son, uh, in December 1st, he turned two years old. And our youngest daughter is eight. She's about to be nine. And we've had the, uh, the boys and girls are, compl- it's unbelievable the difference. There was such, there's, with my daughters, there's such an emotional complexity that I can't figure out. I just, I just pat them on the back and tell them I love them. I don't, I just, that's all the equipment I have to deal with their issues. But our son is like taming a hurricane. It's absolutely out of control. He just headbutts things for fun. He just walks around and headbutts stuff. He like bites the dog and he, they fight and it's unbelievable and he drinks out of the toilet. It's, he does and he drinks out of the dog bowl and he tries dog food and he sneaks out and he climbs on everything. And me and my wife were talking, we were like, this is really hard. We thought, we know why this is hard. It's been eight years since we've done this. What were we thinking? Hitting reset all over again. It'll crush the life out of you. Whenever God gets ready to give you the totality of what he's called you to carry, he's got to make sure that you have the infrastructure in your life prepared to be able to carry it. God will never bless you beyond your ability to carry what he's called you to carry. Let me take it a step deeper. God will never bless you beyond your threshold for pain. If you cannot handle the crushing that God brings into our lives, then we will never be able to handle the blessing that God brings into our lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God does not build ministries. God doesn't even build churches. God builds people, and then he empowers us to build what he's called us to build. But his project, his number one focus is not all of this. His number one focus is you, and it's me. As a matter of fact, I have seen great leaders fall from tremendous platforms of influence. I have seen great leaders do things that were a stain on the church, and you've seen it too. You've seen it too. How does that happen? It's because God is more concerned about saving that person than he is about saving his own image. Isn't that amazing? I'm not worried about all the stuff around you. What I'm concerned about is I'm concerned that you are where you need to be. God does not build ministries. God builds people, and then he empowers the person to build whatever he's called them to build. So when we get over into the when we get over into 1 Kings and we see Solomon building the temple, this is the picture that your Bible's trying to paint. It is saying that Solomon is creating a temple, and inside this temple it is built of different bricks and different stones. And this is what he's trying to communicate to us, that in everything God's building, there is a place for you to fit. Have you ever met those people that are victims of every church they've ever been to? Have you ever met those people that are victims of every church they've ever attended? Right? Well, I went to the church down the street, and they didn't recognize what was on my life. So I had to say, uh-uh, devil, and then I had to leave. And then I went to another church down the road, and I loved that pastor's teaching. And it was fantastic, and it was wonderful, but I didn't like his wife very much. So I said, uh-uh, devil. And then I went to the other place, and then I tried to tell them that I'm an apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral teacher. I'm the whole body of Christ wrapped up into one. I'm a bishop, an elder, a deacon, a prophet. I'm everything. I'm a cardinal. I'm, a, I'm one step away from the pope. I'm everything. But they didn't recognize what was sitting in their pew. So I had to leave because I'm going to go where I'm celebrating. I'm not going to go around tolerate. And then they're victims of every church they've ever been a part of. The issue is not there's not a place for you to fit. Every, every church has a place for you to fit. The issue is there's too many rough edges and we can't get you in there. 
That's why he said, whenever I'm building this house, I've got to prepare the stone away from the house. Whenever I get ready to plug you in somewhere, I've got to make sure that I've prepared you before. Because I don't want the ringing of hammers and the cutting of knives in my house. I want to take you to a secret place where I can prepare you in secret and I can get those rough edges off of you in secret so when I connect you to a body, you find where you fit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Everybody in this room, you fit somewhere in the body of Christ. But my question is, have you let God rub the rough edges off of you? There's a hole in the wall with your name on it. But do you fit yet? Have you let God work on you enough yet? Are y'all listening to me? Come on, y'all were shouting last month when I was talking about blessing and favor and increase and next year everything changes. Y'all were shouting about that part. And it is awfully quiet in this Presbyterian church. This morning. Right? There's a spot for you in the church. There's a spot for you in the church. We have this, we have this church shopping mentality. You know how many people I've had email me since we've moved here, they'll email the church. I've had them email me and ask me 30 questions. Well, what do you believe about this? And what do you think about that? And they'll say things like, now, do you preach the truth or do you water it down? Do you believe in the Holy Trinity? Do you believe in the infallibility of Scripture? What are your thoughts on Republican versus Democrat? I think they're all liars. That's what I, that's my thoughts. What are your thoughts about this? What are you thought about that? What are you, I, 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 church shopping? Really? I'm not going to answer your email. I'm not, you're not interviewing me for a job. You go find the house that God connected you to and you let God work on you and plug you in. Wherever you decide to connect, whatever house you decide to connect to, you need to be in ministry. Before, but more than that house needs you to be in ministry. You're hearing what I'm saying? There is something that God's put on the inside of you that you've got to find a way to get it out or you will never be fulfilled just coming and attending. You were designed to pour your life into somebody else's. Let me, let me say it this way. Before Jesus left, he gave us what we know as the Great Commission, right? Right? If you don't believe that, just shake your head. It's not a trick question. Yes. Great Commission, yes. And this is really what the Great Commission says. This is what it says. Go make disciples. Make disciples. That is your mission and that is mine. If you are a born-again child of God, your mission in the earth is this. Make disciples. Whatever that looks like, make disciples. If it looks like feeding the hungry, then go make disciples. If it looks like pastoring a church, then go make disciples. If it looks like leading a small group, go make disciples. If it looks like preaching on TV or being a missionary to Nigeria, make disciples. That is your mission, right? Now, with that being said, if you cannot and if I cannot look behind me and see where I'm actively involved in discipling somebody, in some way, then I am disconnected and unengaged with the very mission that I'm on the planet for. Jesus did not die so you could attend an air-conditioned church. Jesus died so you could raise up a disciple who could raise up a disciple who could raise up a disciple. You are to be a disciple-maker. Think about the course of your life. Who is it behind you that you are pouring your life into? 
that you are giving everything you know to. You might not know much. You might have been serving God for five minutes. You might have served God for 50 years. But you got to be pouring your life into somebody. you got to get connected to the local church and pour your life into somebody. We don't... We don't have that way of thinking anymore. This, this is what they will tell you whenever you go plant a church. This is what they will tell you to do. You go in that community and you hold meetings and you hold ice cream socials and you feed them pizza and you give away T-shirts. And this is what you do. You ask them, what do you not like the most about church as it is right now? And then when they air their complaints, a bunch of... When you get the opinions of a bunch of backslidden, compromising, lukewarm Christians, what do you not like about the church? It's too long. 60 minutes, you don't come where I come from. 60 minutes, we ain't even got past the second song yet. Right? We're just getting warmed up. I don't like that preaching. It's too long. I preached 35, maybe 40 minutes. I grew up with two and a half. And you better not even almost go to the bathroom. You'll get called out. Y'all ever been there? What do you not like the most about you? It's just too loud. And it's, it's just, I just, uh, it's just whatever. And it's just, eh. Uh. I'm thinking. And then they'll tell you, get, get all this information and then build your church based around what people do not like. Because the church is there to serve the community. The church is there to serve the community in this way. We are there to give them the truth. We are there to love them. And we are there to see them grow in God and burn for Jesus like never before. Not make them comfortable. Not appease their southern conscience. Can I get a witness from somebody in the house this morning? We are raising up a generation that does not have a heart for the house of God. You hear what I'm saying? Some of y'all, I see, there's some older people in here. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. When I grew up, my grandmother had no problem taking you out of the service in front of everybody. That was part of the punishment, was the humiliation of everybody knows I'm going to the front porch to get beat. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Boy, you put your foot on that songbook rack one more time. Y'all don't even know what a songbook rack is. We used to have things called pews. And we had the red back, the orange back, and the blue back. And if you put your foot on the song rack, she'd drag you out, beat you into oblivion, drag you back in, and then say something like that, quit crying. You just beat the crap out of me, and you want me to quit crying. But we had a heart for the house of God. When the doors were open, we showed up. We served. We believed that that was God's house and it should be treated as such. We don't don't have a heart for the house anymore. We believe that the church is there to appease us and give us what we need. We are there to give you what you need. We're not there to give you what you want. We're there to give you what you need. Amen? 
And this is what we need. We need somebody saying, you and I have to be involved in pouring our lives into other people. It is nasty and it is inconvenient. And they're going to call you during family dinner time. And they're going to interrupt your football game on Saturday. But that's what it means to fit into what God is building and being a contributing part of the body of Christ. I know that's not what people signed up for when they got saved. We signed up for not going to hell. But this is what it means to be connected to the mission. I'm giving my life for somebody. There is a place in the wall, but do you fit yet? Or is there still some work God's got to do in you? I'm going to prepare the stone away from the house because if I try to fit the stone that's unprepared into the house and I can force it into place and I can put it into place, but over time because it's not prepared, I got to break up everything around it because of the issues of that one thing. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know, can you fit? Do, do you fit? Are there still some stuff that God's got to get off of you there's still some there's still some attitude that Jesus is working on right <laughs> there's still some y'all y'all okay there's still some tithing issues that he's trying to oh dang I knew he was gonna say that right there's still some pride and there's still some some arrogance and there's still some rough edges you know that story in the Bible when it says that David went down into the valley of Elah to fight Goliath Three people know that story. Where'd y'all go grow up going to church? Y'all know that story? He goes down to the Valley of Elah, and the Bible says that he takes five smooth stones out of the water. He takes five smooth stones out of the water. They were smooth because they had been submitted to the water for so long. You know what the Bible calls the water? The washing of the water of the word of God. They had been submitted to the washing of the word so that when he got ready to release them, there were no rough edges on them. When he got ready to release them toward a giant, they could fly straight because they had been submitted to the washing of the water of the word. That's what the local church is supposed to be for you and it's supposed to be for me. It's going to be the place where we go and we sit under the water of the word and God gets that stuff off of us so when he gets ready to release us, we can fly straight and hit the target that he's assigned us to it are you hearing what I'm saying you can't get that going to small group once a year and going to church four times a year you don't get that listening to podcast and calling it church you get that when you get submitted to the washing of the water of the word of a house you hearing what I'm saying So he could have grow up stones anywhere I've been to Israel. I've been to the Valley of Elah. There's stones everywhere. But he had to get the ones that had no edges on them. Because when I get ready to use something, I want to use somebody that I know has been submitted. I want to use somebody that I know that's, that, that's been told no and can handle it. You hearing what I'm saying? I want to use somebody that's, that's had to bring some heart attitudes into alignment with the word of God because they sit under the water of the word and it washed some of those rough edges off of them. Now they're smooth and they can fly straight. Hearing what I'm saying? Talk to people all the time and say, oh, I want to do something for God. I want to do something for God. I want to do something for God. You've got to get prepared before he plugs you in the house. How do you get prepared? He would take the stone away from the house and prepare it in secret. 
I'm actually thankful for this revelation because that means God's not trying to fix me in front of everybody. Is anybody thankful for that? Don't act holy on me right now. Is anybody thankful that you get to come in here and put your church face on and talk about hallelujah, right? Waymaker, miracle worker, and at home, you and I know what God's talking about. Better get that attitude straight, boy. Better get submitted. Quit complaining all the, all the time. Get your tongue sanctified. Get your tongue sanctified. I know some people, there's not an altar in America big enough for that tongue to get on. <laughs> get you, you're going to get that. Quit arguing with crazy people on Facebook. Stop it. Get that rough edge off of you. Somebody anonymously responds to you on Facebook and you take it personal. Oh, no. Oh, no. Shut up. Keyboard warrior. Digital courage. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I follow y'all. Don't be playing. Getting those rough edges off of you. So when I get ready to release you toward the giant I've called you to kill, you'll make sure you hit the target. You'll fly right. So I've got to prepare you in secret. Because there's the, the, the place where God really prepares you is the secret place. And if you don't have a secret life with God, you're not giving him time and space to prepare you to get plugged in to the house he's building. If I could challenge anybody, I know you already set those New Year's resolutions, and I've already broke all of mine. What is today, the 6th? They were done midday on the 2nd. I'm going to lose weight the first donut I see. I ain't playing. I'm like, well, better luck next year. <laughs> this needs to be your New Year's resolution. I'm going to make sure that my private, secret place with God is more alive than it's ever been. You cannot allow a Sunday morning to be the sum totality of your walk with God. Because God wants to prepare you away from the house. So when he brings you to the house, you can fit into your assignment. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, enter into your closet and shut your door. And pray to your father which is in secret. And your father that sees you in secret will reward you openly. I have seen church people get angry when God starts rewarding people openly. And God starts using them. And they start having favor come on their life. And they start having blessing come on their life. And they want to walk around frustrated because somebody is walking in something they're not walking in. It's because they're, you're, you're seeing an open reward for a private devotion. You are seeing God do something for somebody in public because God did did something for because they did something for God in private. When he gets ready to prepare the stone to fit, I'm going to take it in secret and I'm going to cut on it. I'm going to cut on it. You know, we, we like it when God talks to us in that Song of Solomon terminology. My love. My child, 
I would like to give you something to consider. Perhaps on the off chance that you did not act the most Christianly at work today, would you consider pondering, maybe perhaps making a small minor adjustment? I love you. God. He does not talk to us that way. I had somebody tell me one time I was in a counseling session with a young person in their early 20s. And I said, this is, this is a weakness in you. They, they were very uh, out of control. They, they would rage out of control. Like you never knew what would flip the switch. They were about 23 and had the emotional development of an 8-year-old. And they would just fly off rage and cry and get all upset and it is quite it's it's something when a kid throws a tantrum it's something entirely different when an adult throws one and so I was telling him I said this is a weakness this is a weakness that's going to hold you back and I said pastor hang on they said I, do, I prefer not to look at it that, that way they said, I can't make this up they said, now I have strengths and, and I have growth opportunities. This is not a growth opportunity. This is not a space for improvement. This is a dysfunction in your character that God wants to break. And you got to go get along with God in secret so he can work that out of you so he can plug you into your assignment. And when you get plugged into your assignment and I get plugged into my assignment and he gets plugged into his and she gets plugged into hers, then we build a house that God can invade with his glory. We will, never, we will never have the move of God that we want if I'm the only one that's serving God, burning for God, walking with God, on fire for God. Y'all remember that old quote years ago where John Wesley said, they asked John Wesley, how do all these people come to hear you preach? He said, I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. Y'all heard that quote before? That's great. It's completely in error. Because your responsibility is not to come to watch me or the worship team burn. The purpose of the church is to set you on fire yourself so the world can watch you burn. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I break that mentality out of our church, out of our culture, out of our city, out of this generation that church hops and church shops. You are going to find a place. It might not be this church. You might be a first-time guest, and that's fine. You go to church somewhere else. We're glad you're here. But for the people that feel called to connect to this house, we're going to put down roots, and we're going to get under the water of the word so God can smooth us out. I need God to smooth some stuff out of me. Is anybody with me? I need God to say some stuff to me about some things that might, when he releases me, I might not hit the target just right. Amen. And he does that in his own house. He does that. He's, he's, building, he's, he's building something here. The, the, the whole, fir- I, I'm not so interested in growing a big church as I am growing a healthy church. I don't want a church of 5,000 that I can't say certain things to. I'm not going to build a church that even I don't want to attend. (laughs) 
You with me? I was talking to a church planner this past weekend. They wonderful people, and uh, they were trying to wonderful people planted a church, and they're in their first year and just believe in God and doing their thing. And they said we're so confused. They said, because we've done everything we've been told to do and we've done everything the conferences tell us to do and we've done all the stuff and they said, even we don't like our church. They're the pastors. There's two kinds of growth. You can have a big church full of small people or you can have a smaller church full of big people. I'm not focused on growth. I'm focused on health. I'm focused on being able to unashamedly teach what the book says. And we submit our lives and come into alignment with it. And the book says we have to have a heart for the house of God. The book says we have to put down roots and not be visitors, not be outsiders, or not just skirt around the edges when we have nothing else to do on a Sunday morning. But we put down roots and it becomes the house that we get committed to. It becomes the house that we get submitted under and the water of that word smooths off all the rough edges. So when God gets ready to use us, we're prepared. Hearing what I'm saying? Well, this You're getting all weird on me now. You hearing what I'm saying? Some of the older people in here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I've got a grandmother right now that goes to the same church she went to when she was a kid. She's in her 80s. She hates it. She hates it. They vote, every, they vote new pastors in about every three minutes. But she's not going anywhere. You know why? It's my church. You know what? When I say, what? Well, if you don't like it, why don't you go somewhere else? With, with, with no issue whatsoever. You know what she'll say? God hadn't told me to. God hadn't told me to. A lot of people that leave churches, they leave because a fence told them to. If you, let me just say this. If you ever move out of a fence, you're setting yourself up for failure. If you ever move because bitterness drove you out instead of God leading you out, you're setting yourself up for failure. I'm not telling anybody in here to get connected to this church. I'm telling you, you've got to get connected to the church, whatever that looks like for you. You've got to get connected to the church. And your house group does not substitute that. He just say that in Knoxville. It does no, it's not a substitute. Amen. God does nothing in the earth disconnected from his house. God does nothing in the earth disconnected from his house. I have seen countless, countless people launch out to do something for God because they got frustrated with this, that, or the other. And we're just going to do it a new way. And they fail. You've seen them too. And they fall apart. Nobody gives, nobody comes, nobody shows up because God's not going to violate his own order. You've got, we've got to have a heart for his house. Everything God does, he's going to do through his church. The local church is the hope of the world. YouTube Preachers on YouTube are not the hope of the world. Podcasts are not the hope of the world. If I was preaching this 10 years ago, I'd say Christian TV 
It's not the hope of the world. Has that not been proven by now? The hope of the world is companies like this burning for Jesus and spreading the kingdom. Amen? Who's with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.